Hello and welcome to Look for the Helpers, an ICT SOS podcast. My name is Amber Gonzalez, the Education Coordinator for ICT SOS. When our favorite neighbor, Fred Rogers, was a boy and would see scary things in the news, his mother would say to him, Look for the helpers. You will always see people helping. Today, the helper we are looking to is you. Human trafficking is in the spotlight right now on social media. This has led to many people becoming passionate about tackling the issue of trafficking, sexual abuse, online exploitation, and injustice in our world. It is encouraging to me that people like you are willing to use their voices, time, and money to be sure our kids are safe. If you are listening to this message, that means you are a helper, or at least want to be. So today, I'm sitting down with my friend, Next Step presenter and expert on helping, TJ Lawson, and ICT SOS intern, Mo Rutledge, to discuss becoming a helper in our community. We have some encouragement, advice, and guidance for you about helping not only our organization, but any organization that accepts donations and volunteers. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Look for the Helpers and consider signing up to become a monthly sponsor. You can do both of these things on anchor.fm forward slash ICT SOS. All right, I'm going to start over here with Mew, with, with Mew, <laughs> immediately going to have to cut some stuff out. I'm going to start over here with you today, Mo. How Hi. are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, you won't know this if you're the listener, but this is actually the second take of this podcast. We've had some audio issues, so we are sitting here with our fingers crossed, just hoping that everything goes really well today. Um, but we are also sitting here with TJ. How are you, TJ? I'm very well. At least I think I'm very well. Very well. Well, it's a Monday, and it sounds like it's been crazy for all of us, so again... We're going to see what happens here. Um, so we're just going to dive right in on this conversation because we have kind of a lot to get through today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So first I should probably, um, you know, Mo is interning with us, um, which is really fantastic. She just got started here. So she's kind of joining us on this conversation um, to not only be a part of the conversation, but also I think sometimes TJ, you and I might get into some jargon or lingo when it comes to helping organizations and things. And we may talk in things that we understand. Maybe somebody who's new to this, this field is not going to understand what we're talking about. So at any point, Mo has permission to say, okay, hold on. Can you guys explain that again or give us some clarification? So, oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So I think, I think that will be really good. And you guys are here to pick my brain as well because I'm learning lots of things yeah. too. So she is um, young and she knows things. She's on TikTok and she's an expert at it. So <laughs> we can learn a lot from her too, absolutely. I think. Absolutely. Um, so uh, TJ, let's talk about our connection a little bit. You are on the board of Family Promise. I'm, so I'm actually the, um, on the business development team of Family Promise. Bus- I work with the board quite a bit, but I I'm not on the board. I made that mistake last time, too. That, that's all right. Okay. So, you, But you work... Right. Yeah. I've, I've been involved with Family Promise since since its inception here in Wichita, since um, 2016, I think, um, okay. as a coordinator, as a volunteer, um, just one of the nonprofits that I'm a big fan of here in Wichita. Okay. Which is fantastic because we're a big fan of it too. Absolutely. Um, and we'll kind of touch on what is so important about that organization probably a little later. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have been leading our next step class. I'll kind of go ahead and uh, plug this. You're not leading the whole thing. You're leading right. one session of it. I'll plug that here. I'm going to plug it again later. Um, our next step class is for people who want to become more educated about not just human trafficking, but becoming a helper, becoming a better volunteer, maybe learning some skills or having some things in their tools 
toolbox. Um, and any of our listeners out there, if that's something you're interested in, you can apply to become a part of the Next Step class on our website. It's ictsos.org forward slash volunteer. And if you scroll down, there's a contact form you can fill out and it'll go right to me and you can apply for that for that class. Um, but TJ talks about, I've, I think we've coined the talk like practical compassion. Right, absolutely, right? yes. Yeah, and we and we really wrestle with that question of like, how do we help? You know, for most of us, this is born out of a compassion, the desire to help. It's born out of an empathy. It's born out of compassion. It's sometimes it's born out of guilt, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, you know, that it's born out of these feelings of wanting to make a difference. Um, and the challenge is like, once you've done that a couple of times, sometimes you realize like, I'm not actually sure. Like, if I feel like I'm trying to help, but I'm not sure that I'm mm. helping. And so we really want to do you know, kind of adopt some of those principles of how do we help uh, people. With without hurting them, uh, without setting them back, without dehumanizing them, um, without taking away some of their dignity. Um, we don't always recognize those exchanges uh, for what they are. And yeah. so this, our class really kind of dives into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is kind of a topic that I feel like I've been recently becoming more passionate about because I realized just how necessary and how important it is if you're going to help in any field, like coming in and educating yourself, really knowing um who to talk to, how can you help, what you can do. It's just, it's just so critical. Um, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is, um, just kind of misinformation, I guess, around social media. And, and it's kind of this, the, um, I don't know, it's like a dual edged sword or whatever that, that word is. Right. Um, where awareness is a good thing. Right. Right. Um, but not always if it's in connection to misinformation, which can mislead people to um, protect their children, to uh, watch out for other people, to help organizations in a way that maybe isn't so helpful. Um, Yeah, a lot of things. So again, there's this, this kind of dual-edged sword, I guess, happening. So I think this topic is so essential right now. It is. It's it's, it's one of those challenges of like, you want to know... You know, there's there's that, that that challenge of like, okay, I see that there's a problem. I'm hearing about there's a problem, and then you have this misinformation. So what can happen is you can either throw your hands up and say like, oh, I can't do anything mm-hmm. um, because it's too big of a problem, or you can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, which is is not a helpful position to yeah. be in. Or you end up just saying like, oh, I want to help, but it's so bad. You know, I'm just going to give to some big multinational organization and hope that maybe something helps with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some great. You know, I'm I'm a fan of World Vision and what they do, but mm-hmm. like, you know, that's not going to necessarily make a difference here in Wichita. Right. Um, and so, you know, ha- figuring out how to plug in, how to make a difference, especially when it comes to um, issues around kids and trafficking and some of the misinformation and um, I, I would even argue disinformation um, mm. that is out there is is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so you you're you're somebody who has got a lot of background in this. This is you do this day in and day out. Um, what what are you seeing? Like, what are the trends in particular, especially related to COVID, to some of the um, vulnerabilities and um, deficits that we've seen in our own communities that, yeah. that is exposed? You know, how has it made trafficking worse? Has it made it better? You know, kids aren't in school, but they're not home. Like, right. what's what's been the differences here? How's yeah. how's it impacting things? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great question. So I am. 
I'm our education coordinator, so I've been doing our prevention education in schools for a couple years. So yeah, you're right. Um, I talk to thousands of, of kids each year about what this looks like, how to stay safe. Um, and I have a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with those students too about what they're actually seeing and what's happening. So um, one of the things that's really challenging with students being at home is that they are at home, so they may... Um, be in a position where if there was a trafficker who was going to approach them in person, um, you know, that may not happen out in the community as, as often. Um, but I will say this, we don't really see that specifically. Okay. So when it comes to traffickers approaching our kids, we, the main place that we actually see that happening is online. Okay. Um, because that's where kids are hanging out. And a lot of times they're not supervised online, right? Right. It used to be, um, you know, kids, if you wanted to go hang out with your friends and maybe parents aren't around, you're going to go to the park, you're going to yeah. go to the movies, you're going to go hang out at, you know, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't a cool kid. I don't know where kids hung the out. Skate back park in the, with me. They're going to the <laughs> skate park or, you know, way back in the day, they're going to the skating rink or, you know, uh, we, we hung out in the hardware store parking the, lot. <laughs> I, I, grew, I grew up in a small town. So. Store parking lot. Wherever it, it was that kids would be where there's probably not adults around. Yeah. That's where a trafficker is going to come in and it's, and they're not going to pull up in a van. They're not going to snatch these kids, right? This okay. isn't an abduction. Um, usually what they're going to do is they're going to come in and and they're going to start building a relationship with someone. Um, they're going to try to look like, hey, I'm a, a cool young person too. Hey, maybe I'm interested in you. Maybe there was some kind of romantic connection they're going to try to immediately make. Um, and they're going to start to build a relationship. They're yeah. going to want to build trust. They're keeping their eyes out for who's vulnerable, who seems like they need something, who seems like maybe um, they're lacking some piece in their life that I could fill to get them to trust me. And that is where we start to see some of the trafficking happening okay. because then they can manipulate that kid to really do anything with them or for them that they wouldn't otherwise do if maybe they had just been snatched off a street corner. Right. So, so they're looking for kids that are then kind of already in a state of vulnerable, whether it's because yeah. they don't have enough money, they don't, they have relational deficits at home. Right. Maybe, you know, one of the, one of the parents isn't in the picture, or maybe there's a difficulty relationship between kids. I mean, and yeah. for all of us, when we're teens, there's that tough relationship with our parents. Um, I think for most of us, maybe, right. maybe, maybe not all of us, but yeah. most of us, uh, yeah. it's, it's not always easy. <laughs> um, and so you have somebody who's showing up and saying like, Oh, I understand, you know, mm -hmm. I get you, you know, those, those people don't, but I'm here for you. Right. So it's those kinds of things that are it's those kinds of okay. things. So, and I like how you brought that up too, because one of the things that we hear often is like, this can happen to anybody. This yeah. can happen to any of our kids. Technically. Yes. What are traffickers going to look for? Like you said, are those kids who maybe are going to be easier to manipulate right. only because of the situation that they're in? Maybe they tend to be more vulnerable. Does that mean that it's only going to be those kids that maybe are in kind of the situations that are most vulnerable? So we're talking about maybe they're in poverty, maybe they're in foster yeah. care, or maybe they're um, in some kind of they've got mental health um, related things going on. So, um, yes, those kids are going to be targets. Okay. Right. But it can also be the kid who's at home has got parents maybe they're wealthier right maybe they've they've got everything on the outside it looks like they've got everything going for them but there may still be some kind of need or some kind of lack maybe they feel like their parents don't get them or understand yeah. them still there's that relational distance there's still yeah. a need they still want to be loved they still yeah. want to maybe they they want to reach their full potential 
and they're out there on the internet kind of looking for what does that mean? And just the right person coming along who looks good, right? Who, yeah. who puts those promises out there of, hey, I can help you reach that. I can do that for you. You know, that's yeah. something that can be there. So when we're talking about, you know, who is at risk for this and what does that look like? Technically, yes, it can be anybody. Um, it's going to be somebody that has some kind of vulnerability or maybe this person is going to try to, the, a trafficker is going to try to kind of create a vulnerability, right? Kind of yeah. put a, a bug in your mind. But like I was saying before, you know, where we're seeing this happen is just not so much in person anymore. Okay. Could it happen that way? Sure. Most of us are staying at home. Most of us aren't really out and about. Um, I would say from my experience with teenagers the, the last few years, um, they're they're really smart. Yeah. <laughs> Their red flag radars go up real quick yeah. with people around them because our whole lives, me growing up especially, like stranger danger was taught like everywhere, right? So yeah. somebody approaches them somewhere, they're immediately like, who are you? What are you doing? And I have 50 ways that I could dismantle you and alert the police and my mother simultaneously, right? Because yeah. they've got the apps, they've got the phone, they know the moves or whatever, right? So that kind of interaction for a trafficker, it just doesn't really make sense. And so what we're seeing is where kids are kind of without their parents and supervision, well, they're at home, right? And especially with COVID now, they are all at home. And not just kids are at home, but traffickers are at home. Yeah. People who are exploiting kids are at home. Um, And that's part of why we saw a few weeks ago, we shared um, some information on our Facebook. I did a Facebook Live um, sharing just a few of the numbers from the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force here locally in Wichita. And they were sharing some national numbers of what happened um, week to week when the shutdown happened. So during the week of spring break, um, we were at about 397,000 cases of um, what people know as child pornography online. Um, We call that child abuse material. Um, That's kind of the number of um, tips that were coming into. My gosh, I didn't realize it was that high. That's that's appalling. So that's in one week. you said that was just in Wichita. That was, so that's nationally actually. But here's what that number is nationally and those are tips coming from the cyber tip line and from electronic service providers. So anybody, social media, all the places. So those are situations where they are alerting the authorities saying, hey, we have found something here. You need to take a look at this, right? Um, The next a uh, few weeks as the shutdown happened, right? That, Cause that was before the shutdown. Right. The next few weeks we had spring break and then towards the end of March, it tripled about two or three weeks later, it tripled. It was oh at 900,000. And then later into April, within one week, those tips had reached over a million. And that's wow. kind of where we've been steady, right? That's kind of the yeah. average that we've seen. So what that tells us is that we have kids at home. We have traffickers and people who are exploiting yeah. kids at home. There's a lot of online activity yeah. and it's just increased, okay. right? Now, what are we going to continue to see as schools open up and things start happening? Well, unfortunately, I don't know that we're going to see a downward trend with that. Yeah. Um, I can't predict the future. I'm not necessarily an expert in that. Um, one of the things I think if you want to hear from one of those detectives, we did a podcast with um, now Sergeant Heather Human. It, you know, you can find that on our podcast. Um, but one of the things that I think we're going to see is that we still have kids in uncertainty at mm-hmm. home and at school, right? Yeah. Parents are really stressed out. So I think sometimes kids who maybe even have a good relationship with their parents, they're not going to want to 
bother their parents with things <laughs> yeah. that are yeah. happening. Even the best of kids, like, you know, I was a great kid growing up. Even I hid stuff from my parents. So yeah. I was stuff that people that I maybe was, to, I, you know, I was right there when um, AOL and instant yeah. messenger was out there. I mean, I was chatting with people all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and so the, even a kid who, you know, kind of see, has got good grades, right? Yeah. They kind of fly under the radar. They know their stuff. They're still susceptible to some of this. And so what we're seeing is kids on social media like TikTok. I just got TikTok, yeah. Instagram, Snapchat, you know, whatever the app is. Um, they are out there because that's their outlet right now while they're at home. That's their social connection. That's how they see other people. That's their entertainment a yeah. lot of the time. I've been hearing from people, TikTok is um, their news outlet now, right? That's, crazy. that's how people kind of hear yeah. and understand the world. And so if you're there and you're putting your stuff out there and you want to go viral, especially, yeah. you're probably not going to put your page on private. You're probably not going to be as careful as you would be if you were walking through a Walmart parking lot at night, yeah. right? You're oh, kind of absolutely. like, well, I'm kind of untouchable because I've got the phone here, but you know, I'm safe. I'm at home. I can put this out there. I can handle it. I can control it. And you can just ignore, you know, you think you can just ignore somebody who, you ignore you know, oh, it. this is a problem. I won't, right. I won't mess with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then what happens if somebody slides into your, to your private messages who, you know, they look young, maybe it looks like, oh, this guy's yeah. interested in me or, Hey, this girl is talking to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. there's kind of, and it's late at night and you know, you're a teen teenager and you just want to be loved and understood and that person slides right in and starts to fit all those pieces. I mean, what happens then? Yeah. Right. And so that is exactly where we're seeing trafficking happening okay. because that person comes in and, and kind of gets their hooks in that kid and then they can um, exploit them online. Maybe they're okay. getting pictures and videos from them, right? That parents don't know about um, that are going to contribute to that. Like I said, the child pornography, yeah. right? Um, maybe at some point if they do meet up in person, that's where some of those meetups are going to happen where maybe they're um, being bought and sold and trafficking, yeah. right? But again, it's not like um, this was a kidnapper and I can't get away from them. It's, oh, this is my boyfriend. Yeah, sometimes I don't really like the things we do, but you know, we made a little bit of money. Yeah. He says it was the only time I had to do that or hey, he bought me something or I got my nails done so I feel yeah. pretty. You know, there's, there's... And it's really upsetting because like that's when, you know, adolescents especially get that misunderstanding of oh this is what I need you mm -hmm. know and that's where it can be yeah really dangerous and this is what love looks like right right, right. yeah so um so where does Wayfair come into this because I've been paying attention to this I've been I've been following the hashtag save our children so where does thank that you, jump in thank you for bringing up Wayfair right now um you know I don't know to be honest with you okay um, and why I say I don't know is I don't know where that came from. I don't know who started the conspiracy, and I'm going to call it a conspiracy theory. Okay. Um, I don't know who started the Wayfair conspiracy. I don't really um, understand it fully of, of what people are saying that trafficking is happening there. Um, because if you just kind of follow it from beginning to end, my understanding, and you guys can fill me in if I'm missing things, my understanding is that Wayfair has jacked up prices on specific furniture. Right. And then they have a almost uh, a human name, typically probably a white female's name. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily a white female. I'm not sure all the names that have been shared, but that it usually is like Emily or, you Monica know, or something. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, 
And then people are saying, hey, this cabinet's going to be sold for $10,000 and it has the name Emily or Veronica. Right. It's probably, that has to be for trafficking because why else would you buy a $10,000 cabinet? Yeah. I don't know why you'd buy a cabinet for $10,000, well, by the way. It's because it's a medical grade cabinet and that's it's for a real specific. Interesting. In, in, it, but, but when I've heard this story, it's like, well, that, that can't be real. Yeah. Um, and but so you've not seen you're this saying, then. You're saying, you're saying when you're talking to your de- the detectives here locally, the yeah. detectives who are part of networks nationally, they're not, this is not this something is they're not experiencing. Happening. Okay. This is not happening. Um, yeah, it's not happening. And it's not even one of those things where, cause sometimes we'll, if I say, well, this is not happening, somebody might say, well, that you know of, right? right. Or y'all are trying to cover it up. You guys are probably a part of it, right? Um, I think let's even just follow through the conclusion of what that would be like for Wayfair. Um, who's purchasing it? And then how does somebody get, like, what, like, what's that look like? So is there a kid being kidnapped and put in the cabinet and delivered somewhere? Is there a special group of people that are facilitating this? Like, you know what I'm like, what, what does that actually look like? And if there was something like that, where there was an internet platform where a group of people, a company as big as Wayfair, who can receive a warrant from law enforcement, right? Who could come in and try to check some of this stuff out. Um, you know, if that was happening, there would be a way that that law enforcement, Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, exploited a missing child unit like they're they're going to be able to look into that. Yeah. They're going to be able to take care of that business. I will say, as we're talking about websites, and it's really interesting to me that people focus on Wayfair. You had Mo, you had said Etsy earlier. People mm-hmm. are saying this about Etsy and kind of going back on the TikTok thing. Like, yeah. This is how I found out about right. the whole entire Wayfair, yeah. Etsy issue yeah. is through TikTok. It's so. through TikTok. So that's kind of how this information is being shared. Um, you know, it's interesting to me because there are actually websites where some of this kind of stuff goes down. But again, it's it's not really this way with Wayfair and these yeah. big companies and, and products. Um, but there's specific websites where somebody's being posted and it looks like a picture of somebody who's over the age of 18. Yeah. Um, maybe it's an escort, right? Like you can connect with me and we can meet up for a date, you know, message this number kind right. of a thing, right? But what's really happening then is that there may be a 14 to 17 year old girl who's gonna show up and again, she's not going to have been kidnapped. She's probably going to be going along, okay. quote unquote, willingly, right? right? Not that she's willing, but again, not putting up a fight because of a, like a physical fight. Um, and then there may be some kind of meetup there. Right? Okay. So it's interesting to me that this is the information going around because really all it's done is distracted the... Um, it's just distracting people from the types of website, websites and activities where it does happen. Okay. Everybody's like looking over here, right? right? They're looking way far somewhere else. They're looking at Wayfair. They're looking at conspiracy theories. And all the the real activity then is going on unnoticed, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that, I think the challenge too is like it, it, some of this stuff with conspiracy theories in particular related to this is like, you know, I'm a parent. I've got three kids. Sure. You know, it's you know, my, my kids are all super cute. You know, they're probably the cutest kids. Um, I mean, my son, it might be the cutest, right, right. We could argue on that. Right. Uh, (laughs) It's always your kids that are cutest, you know? And so you're like, Oh, I've got to protect my kids. Um, but in reality, what, what we're really talking about often are kids in some kind of 
poverty situation that they're yeah, in yeah, some kind of, kind of yeah they're kids who are either you know at least have a relational deficit um, but it's often connected with you know a economic deficit an opportunity deficit like there's often a lot more to it than that that kind of drives this mm. and and that's harder to deal with it feels yes. if you can just you know, have a big to do, you know, we all want to be uh, Liam Neeson from taken. Like that's yeah. what we, that's how we want this to go down. Yeah. Um, right. And it's a lot more subtle than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's something that, that is really important to, um, to mention and we'll kind of bring it back around with, you know, now that we've talked about, okay, so what is this and why are we bringing up this conversation? Um, you know, I think whenever people are hearing about this, they want to jump in immediately and they want to save the day. Yeah. Um, they want to save someone right now. We want to take care of this issue right now. Right. And I completely understand that. Um, and my husband would, you know, attest to that kind of tenacity for me of, of him being like, can you slow down? Cause we can't fix everything right now. Yeah. And I'm like, no, why not? Let's do it. Um, yeah. so I <laughs> get, I, I totally get that and I totally feel that, but like some of the stuff that I'm mm-hmm. then I'm going to start asking you some of these yeah. questions. Um, that's not necessarily how we should help people right. all of the time. Um, there are some times for that. Right. And we can right. talk about maybe what that relief looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of things specifically with trafficking that lead to trafficking, not just with vulnerable kids like we were talking about. So at yeah. risk groups. Right. So we can connect that with poverty as well. Um, but there's a whole lot in our society that needs to be addressed and needs yeah. to be worked on. And it's something that tons and tons of people have been working on. They continue to work on day in and day out. Yeah. We're some of those. There's a lot of small pieces that need to be moved. There's things that need to happen. And it's not like an immediate thing, right? Yeah. It's kind of a slow rolling justice kind of a thing. So let's shift a little bit um, to helping out our listeners kind of get into that mindset and become helpers, right? Yeah. If somebody is hearing this, um, they're, you know, awake at night, they're hearing about trafficking and they want to do something. Right. What do we do next? So that's, that's a great question. I mean, cause it, it's, it is a multifaceted thing. So partially I think you have to ask yourself up front the question of like, what is helping going to look like for me mm-hmm. now? Um, because the challenge is like, you can't, you know, n- n- <laughs> you know, we don't get to be unless you're, you know, Troy Bassard or somebody who, uh, yeah. you know, Officer Bassard who gets to be Liam Neeson in situations. And, I mean, there um, are some Liam Neesons that's in, right. in there, this building in, of the but, CAC. But I don't yeah. get to be that. I don't get to be that. <laughs> that's and, not you know, me either. I didn't go to school for that. I didn't train for that. Right. I don't. I don't go to the range for that. Like right. I'm, I'm not ready for that. So I know that that's not who I get to be. Right. And I can't fix everything. And yeah. so partially, you have to ask the question of like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to help? Like, how yeah. you would start? Yeah. Like, and, and, yeah. and what do I? What am I capable of? Like honestly because partially the challenge here and we'll talk about this more but like helping takes time mm-hmm. and it takes understanding Progress. yeah it takes understanding the person understand the context um and it also takes uh, resources. And so partially, maybe for you, like you're laying awake in bed at night and partially what you're going to do is just commit to give. You're just going to mm. give financially. Um, you know, cash is still king. It makes the biggest difference. We take cash. Yeah. Say so if you can write, if you can, if you're Card, listening, you check. can write a $10,000 check to ICTSOS yeah. and help fund the work here. Yep. That's, that is not an insignificant thing. It no. sounds, we can, we can reduce that and be like, oh, you know, I'm just giving money. I want to do something more. Yeah. Giving money is huge. It's a big yeah. deal to help, um, especially because it frees up folks mm. who get to do this all the time, yeah. um, who get to be in this day out and day in and day out. And so, um, if you want to help, that's a great way to do it. Um, if you want to help and you want to be hands on, partially you have to ask the question of what what is di- you have to diagnose the problem. Um, mm-hmm. 
So my mom years ago went to her doctor and said, hey, I'm falling down. Um, you know, I'm, I'm stepping up on the curve, but it feels like my foot's just giving out. Like I'm waking up at night and I'm sweating. Um, I just feel, I feel tingly all over my leg. It just mm. feels terrible. And the doctor looked at her and said, well, this is what happens when you get older and you don't exercise and you're overweight. Um, and Rude. my mom was like, okay, I mean, fair enough. Um, it's also what happens if you have a tumor that's pushing on your oh, spine man. and you're oh, losing no. the, the feeling in your leg. And so... Um, my mom finally got a CAT scan that caught it. She was in the, she'd gone to the hospital because she was just in a lot of pain. They did an emergency biopsy and she never came home. She went to the hospital in pain and went to Houston, uh, wow. for almost a year for, for oh. cancer treatment. Um, because they'd missed it because they mm. missed all the signals, um, because they misdiagnosed the problem. Yeah. And our challenge is like, we have to diagnose the problem correctly. Cause what happens is if we think that poverty is, is a result of, um, economic choices, you know, the bad mm. economic choices, we'll either, we'll either do one or two things. We'll give more money um, or we'll try to educate people. You know, if we think it's personal choices, we'll try to come up with it's a curriculum. A issue. Yeah, we'll try to come up with curriculum right. that's going to teach, that's going to fix this. Um, sometimes we think it's a sin issue. Like it's a, this person's doing this because they're making uh, sinful choices. choices. And so we're going to evangelize. We're going to tell them about Jesus. We're going to tell them about um, uh, the prophet and what he has got, what he teaches us. And we're going to try to educate people. And once they learn that information they're going to change or we can see it as a as a as a justice issue that we're going to that people are being oppressed and so we're going to step in and we're going to fix this you know we're going to be um you know, um, Aaron Brockovich and we're going to jump in and we're going to advocate for justice and we're going to fix everything and it's going to be great. Um, and the challenge is to figure out what you're dealing with, with poverty is, um, is, is how you're going to approach it. Um, and so it's just important to even come up with like, what is causing that? And my favorite definition of poverty, um, the one that I think is just the clearest, um, is, is what the one that family promise uses. And they talk about that folks end up as homeless families not because they run out of money. Um, folks end up as homeless families because they run out of relationships. Um, okay, pause and say that yeah. again. So, yeah, yeah. So, that, so people end up in poverty, right? Not because of what did you say? Because of because money? of money. Yeah, yeah it's not it's, you, you, because, not because you run of out of money. It's or resources. Resources, but it's because you run out of relationships. So people end up in poverty because of right. a lack of relationships. Right. Lack of networking. It is. So but like for me, if something happens to me, I'll just use my family as an example. You know, I'm, I work, uh, my wife works, you know, we have uh, income coming in um, and things are fine. But let's say that, you know, my wife gets laid off and then all of a sudden I get in a car wreck and I can't go to work anymore. So we lost both jobs. What are we going to do? Well, first and foremost, um, you know, we've got some savings on hand. We've got relationships with Visa and MasterCard and Credit Union of America. I like how you call that a relationship. That's right. Um, they're going to cut, but they, they trust us enough. Like we've had these things with them that they're going to give us money mm -hmm. and they're going to, they're going to expect something in return. Um, usually a pretty steep interest rate, but they're going to be there for us. And if things got really bad, um, I can call my brother-in-law. I can call my mom and dad. I can call my wife's mom. Like we have people we could call and that doesn't even count like friends and family, um, within my church community that I 
know from just being in Wichita for a while, like we have people we can lean on who can help us out. But if you don't have those relationships, if you come from some dysfunction, some generational dysfunction, um, and something happens to you, all of a sudden you can be in a bad spot because you don't have that person to lean on. Yeah. And so, and that's usually what pushes people over the edge into poverty. Um, cause with family promise, again, most of our families are working people. Um, yeah. they have a job somewhere. It's just almost paying the bills. It's not quite as the challenge. And so when something happens, it pushes people over the line. And that's, that's not always true in the United States, but that's a huge portion of folks here is they have some resources already. They have, they have a lot of hustle. They're trying to make it work, but it takes one really big setback to start a chain reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, that can be just absolutely devastating. It's one missed bill or one ticket, if, um, one unexpected hospital trip, right? For your kid or just that one thing can kind of keep you from reaching that next phase that you want to reach. And that's, and that's why Chief Ramsey's, the, the lights on program is such a big deal. Like uh, people have talked about it and it sounds like such a silly thing. Like, oh, the cops are going to pay for your headlight now. You know, is that the kind of state we live in? But the ticket that somebody gets with that can actually start a chain reaction uh, legally that has consequences that yes. ends up with suspended license that mm -hmm. ends up with not being able to renew your tickets, your tags, your car gets mm -hmm, impounded. Yeah. You can't get to work. You get laid yeah. off because that $200 bill from the ticket was too much. Yeah. There's no reason that we should be penalizing someone for not, right. for being in poverty or for right. being in that situation where they, they can't just go ahead and get a headlight. Right. Yeah. I'm really hoping that that, uh, project continues to go well and that they'll expand, um, uh, into more zip codes. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and so that's, I think that's the challenge is like, um, recognizing where that sits and then how you're going to help. I mean, that's part of the challenge too with it, with anybody is understanding um, the context of how you're going to help. Is this a relief situation? Is this a rehabilitation situation or is this a development situation? And, and the differences there are like, um, you know, I lived in Greensburg before moving to Wichita. Um, you know, they had a tornado that came through, wiped everything out. That is a relief situation. Um, you know, nobody needs a lecture on how to start your business uh, the day after a tornado. What yeah. you need is you need clothes and food and you need shelter. You need somebody and, to pick up resources, yeah. pieces, send you, some cash. Yep. You need gift cards. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge help to be but able to But let me throw this yeah. in here because we have this conversation all the time. So in a relief situation, sending the right type of relief is extremely important uh, oh, too. Yes. Um, Yes, talk about that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Sandy Hook is a great, is one of my, I always talk about this in the class because I think it's the most tangible example. Uh, in Newtown, Connecticut, um, the Sandy Hook Elementary School, the, the mm -hmm. massacre that took place there um, was just heartbreaking. Um, I mean, it was absolutely devastating um, to see what took place there. And as a country, that, and globally, I think it hurt. I know as a country, it really hurt us all. Um, and we wanted to do something. And so there's some photographs, you can find them online if you look them up of gymnasiums full of stuffed animals um, that people sent hundreds of thousands of stuffed animals to Newtown, Connecticut to try to help uh, the kids feel better. Um, and the challenges there are a couple of fold. One, there's not that many kids in Newtown. Um, there's just not that many kids in that school. There's not that many kids in the whole county. Um, there's not hundreds of thousands. And second off, once you have somebody who's that age, um, you know, my nine year old, um, who would have been at the elementary school, um, doesn't do, I mean, he has, um, he, he, Jed, don't listen to this. He has a stuffed animal, but it's his and he's had it since he's little. Right, he yeah. doesn't want a new one. 
That's his. He just wants that one. Right. Um, you know, you're my five-year-old. They don't want that one. What they want are something that's tangible, that they can play with, that they can enjoy. Um, they want Legos. They want a remote, a remote control car. You know, those are the things they yeah. want to engage with. Um, yeah. But that doesn't, Legos doesn't feel as cuddly to me as an adult. Right. Yeah. As a stuffed animal. But if you think about it in like a therapeutic uh-huh. way, that's so important, especially for kids. Yeah. yeah like Legos especially. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so, um, and I think that's the challenge is like finding that right relief, finding the right spot to give, um, and not just what feels good to you, but what's actually going to be useful yeah. in that context. But it's also recognizing too, that like, you know, you know we are now, um, I mean, I don't, it's, what is it? Eight years since Newtown, uh, mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. um, yeah. you know, we don't need to send Legos. Like that's not mm-hmm. what needs to happen there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's those challenges of like figuring out. So what's that next step? What does it look like to help rehabilitate, get somebody back? And then how do we develop them into who they're supposed to be, right. who they could be if we just hadn't, if they hadn't had this setback in the first place? Right, right. So let me, um, I'm just going to throw something uh-huh. in here really quick then. So as we talk about each different type of, of kind of help, I yeah. guess. So starting with relief, um, what does relief look like when you're wanting to help with human trafficking? I'm specifically going to say relief is going to look like um, one of the things that we do for relief is the fresh start bags. They're huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is. Can you you unpack what's in the fresh start bag real quick? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah, And what it is. So this is a specific example of relief for human trafficking victims or survivors. Um, So the fresh start bag is it's brand new items. That's what we ask for for donations. So a brand new duffel bag. We've brand new clothes, still have the tags on them. Um, brand new hygiene items. We've got a food, fast food gift card in there. We've got um, journal. a journal and a pen. I know Mo knows because she mm-hmm. was just packing yeah, a bunch of bags. Some <laughs> <laughs> um, so fresh on your mind. Um, and this is an, an item that goes out to all of our professionals who are working with survivors. It doesn't just have to be survivors of trafficking. It okay. really could be going to anybody who, whoever is helping that person immediately. So a social worker, law enforcement. Um, the Wichita Area Sexual Assault Center, they get a bunch of bags from us. Anybody who's right there in their moment of need, maybe they have had a sexual assault exam at the hospital. Um, Maybe they showed up at the assault center or maybe there's a domestic violence situation. Um, Maybe it's um, a foster care situation where a kid's being moved to a new placement. Maybe they have clothes, but it's in another location. And tomorrow they're not going to have a clean shirt to wear. They don't have, you know, a toothbrush or whatever. Or maybe they have some of those things. But right here in this moment, they need something that can build a connection and a relationship. They need that fast food gift card for a meal that night or they need something there. That is what that is for. It is for that person right there. And it's theirs. It's not used by somebody else and they get to keep it. Right. And that means a lot to somebody who's in that situation it's it's very personal to them right and it's theirs they get to keep it um and then it helps to build a connection between whoever's giving that to them right right? because a social worker or a law enforcement you know whoever can come in and say hey this is for you and this was packed by our community yeah because they care about you they see you and we're here for you too and so it starts to then kind of hopefully build a connection and a relationship Right. right because then that's the other piece is that then we can go to that next phase with them of of, um, 
of helping them out in the situation. Right. So that's what fresh start bags are. And that's a huge piece of relief for us. And so if you're out there listening and you're like, okay, I've got this, like, like I want to do something right now, right. going to the store and sure, send us money. That's fantastic. If you want it to be, if you want to get your family involved, you want to get your kids involved, you right. want um, to do like a community event or you want to, you know, get your church small group involved or you've got um, some situation going somewhere or ordering on Amazon, right? right? I just you don't started, wanna... yeah, the Amazon. Yeah. That was, I was gonna mention that. The Amazon, Amazon is so great, especially with COVID right now. And we have a wish list together yes. for fresh start bags. So if you wanna go order the stuff and then pack a bag together. Yeah. And that's an opportunity to tell people about mm -hmm. this. Tell your kids about, you know, maybe not trafficking, depending on how old they are, but how to stay safe. Who is this going to? Open their eyes to, right. hey, there's people in this world that go through really hard things and we're gonna, you know, kind of help somebody else with it to start to kind of open their eyes in that, right? right. That's a really good piece yeah. of relief that people can do right now and is so extremely helpful for us. Right, because you guys, you guys, how many, do you know how many you give out a year in the community? We give out usually I know between. I'm putting you on the spot to No, ask it's that. okay. I don't have an exact number of what we gave out last year, but it's between three and 400 usually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I say it's between three and 400. We usually. Uh, mark in our spreadsheet it's between three and four hundred and we don't always update our spreadsheet okay. and we should <laughs> but usually we're going through them so fast yeah. that we just are kind of hustling and we're delivering them all over town so no I think that we're gonna put something on Facebook soon about people ordering or um, what is it you can do a wish list and people can just yep. get it so that's a great way to yeah look. wish list um, on Amazon is huge yeah. for us yeah because I think that's I think and again that's the thing of like it um, again the challenge here is like we you know just to kind of pivot on an, an, this another idea but like that connects to this is we 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 know some folks who are activists here in the community who um, have advocated for the homeless for a long time mm -hmm. and I think one of the most comic slash tragic posts I've ever seen on Facebook um, which if you if you if it's a surprise to you that the homeless are on Facebook um, you are not in 2020 um, um, everybody has a phone. Everybody's on the internet. Um, everybody's looking for that free Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, and but he posted this thing. He said this is before they'd remodeled Natsker Park and done some work there. He said, "Hey, I'm here at Natsker Park. You know, this family showed up um, with these um, bags of clothing, and I told them that we didn't need it. Please don't drop it off. And they said they were just going to do it anyway. And so they threw these bags of clothing on the ground to help the homeless, um, even though the homeless specifically said, "We don't want that. Please don't do that. <laughs> please don't." And he posted on Facebook. He said, "Will somebody please come get this because this makes us look bad." Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we can even say like, oh, you know, the homeless are just trash in the city. But in a lot of times it's it's a, a mom from Derby who was cleaning out the closet and wanted yeah. to do something good. And it made sense in the head. But until you talk about it and you think through it, like finding that way to actually make a difference, to actually be on hand. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's the fresh start bags are the same thing of like, again, stuffed animals feel like the right course of action. Uh, but you, uh, from what you guys have told me, like far and away, the thing most kiddos want are Legos. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Something I will plug with. that. Fidgets are yeah. so in right now, especially for kids. Yeah. 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 Very specifically. Yeah, exactly. And I, just like that homeless person said, you know, they told that family, yeah. hey, this is not going to help us. In fact, it's one of those things that like we're going to get in trouble for this because then they're going to come by and there's going to be a bunch of stuff and we're right. supposed to move our stuff. Right. And so then it continues the narrative of people looking down on somebody who's yeah. homeless. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that kind of thing. I'll just be very clear and honest here, too. That kind of thing can ha happens to us all the time. Yeah. 
where we have someone, again, I applaud anybody who's passionate and who wants to um, come into this issue and, and really help out. I think it's fantastic. Right. Um, I think we need more passionate people tackling these issues. Um, but if you come to us with your idea and you say, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you because I, I want to fix, you know, fix yeah. this issue. And then um, maybe if we're like, hey, this isn't the best way to go about it. Or we're like, hey, right. you should do this instead. Or, hey, that's already being done. Or, you know what? That's not really helpful. But if you could do this and then you say, no, nah, I'm going to do my thing anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It just is not helpful. And it usually causes more work right. for us. It causes yeah. us to do things. It takes our time away from actually helping. Um, and then, yeah, and that's the other thing, like with specifically with goods, I think that's one thing is that we want to take care of two birds with one stone. So we want to yeah. be able to clean out our closet yep. and feel good about it, right? Because then we're looking at all the clothes we bought that we didn't wear. And then we're feeling guilty that we did that, right? Yeah. And so we want it to at least go to a good place. And so sometimes right. we have bags and bags of used clothes show up on our doorstep we can't use use clothes for anything right. they don't go in fresh start bags sometimes um they can be used for things like the street outreach if they've right. got teenagers that might need it but the children's home and street outreach they're not taking used clothes right now because of covid yeah. um so you know if if you want to help but you're not willing to listen to, to the organizations and the yeah. experts um i would just really examine what it's about i think sometimes we want to help but we don't really realize how much of it is about some of the stuff we're dealing with right mm -hmm. and that you know we want to feel good or we want to make a difference and it, it just ends up becoming we we i and me absolutely right? um, it, yeah I, I mean that's the and i've been guilty of that too so i yeah yeah, yeah absolutely it, it, it happens on all scales it happens um you know there's some photographs that we again we talk about this in the in the class but there's some photographs from the tsunami in indonesia a few years ago um there are pictures on the beach of um i want to say it's jakarta but i can't remember for sure but there's pictures on the beach of yeah. um these it, it you're looking at you're like what am i looking at like what is this and it is bales and bales and bales of clothing that have just been dumped on the beach um, because folks sent, they wanted to send clothing to try mm -hmm. to help, so they sent all this used clothing to Indonesia. So it was loaded on a cargo ship. But there was no destination. There was no receiving organization, no distributing organization, and nobody had asked for it. And so um, and what happens is there's some organization somewhere, I don't know who it was, um, that took money, paid their staff, paid the bills, maybe put a little bit in the savings account, paid the tanker to drive it over there to, to uh, Indonesia, and they just, just dump it on the beach. We don't know what to do with it. Just somebody will get it. Somebody will deal with it. Clothing is one of the biggest forms of waste yeah. in the world. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So, and we're in here specifically talking about like people and helping people and things, yeah. right? And then that it doesn't even dig into what no. does that do to the environment, right? right? Which in turn can affect people as well. Um, and so, yeah. So, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, so let's... Um, you know, well, gosh, we could talk all day. Again, right. we said this last time. Um, what's the next phase of help? We've done relief. Relief. What's so the next piece? Re relief is, and rehabilitation are, is the next piece. So relief is like, let me stop the bleeding. Rehabilitation is that let me help you begin to get the pieces back together. Um, so I, I, I think it's easy to think about it in terms of like, if my house burns down today, um, you know, the first thing I need is relief. I need clothing for my kiddos and I need a place for them to sleep. And I need, um, you know, I need somewhere for me to sleep. I need somewhere to start putting papers. Like I need some basic things to get, to begin to rebuild my life. Rehabilitation is that next step of like, all right, let me help you clean up this mess. Let me help you get the debris removed. 
let's start talking to builders to to get a new house let's talk to the insurance company get the adjusters out here get this sorted out um let's start that process and so that's really what rehabilitation is and so when you're talking about it in terms of people um and specifically related to trafficking to related issues in poverty um relief is like let me help you stop the bleeding that's a fresh start bag the rehabilitation is let me begin to come alongside you and understand how you ended up here um you know for some people it's let me help you find some treatment programs Mm -hmm. for some people it's let me help you um find some some a safe place to live because you know you're you're being trafficked but you're being trafficked because you were being abused at home Mm -hmm. and that's like that's how you ended up here so let me help you let me help you with this next issue like let me help you find some stability in your life um and so that's really where where rehabilitation sits um is let me help you uh get back to at least starting to get back to normal uh development is that big one that if you can get to development that's where you're really making a difference and development is where you're taking a person and saying how can I help you um, not just uh, have this not just get back to where you were but to be better off than you were before mm-hmm. um, to be able to rebuild in a way where life is not just uh, past it but it's 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 the quality of your life is dramatically improving you know if I, my house was built in 1960 um, if all I did was rebuild a house that's the same quality as a 1960 home that is not it's not a great move right. um, you know technology's <laughs> come a long way insulation right has come a very long way. Windows have come a long way. There's all this technology that's changed how a home is built. Um, I need to build a house that's appropriate for 2022. You know, I need a house that's going to go toward the future. Um, and that's where development can really step in. And with kiddos, when you're talking about folks who've been trafficked, when you're talking about folks who are here, I think this is the one that's really hard um, because you're asking, how can I help to build capacity in somebody who doesn't even know that they have the capacity? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to kind of throw in there. So when we're talking about trafficking, what that looks like for us and the organizations that we work with. So beginning with rehabilitation, um, you know, once that kind of relief situation has happened, finding, finding placement, we've got the clothes, we've got the fresh start bag, we've got that, you know, we've got some food, let's stop the bleeding at least right now. Then that next piece is going to be where the child advocacy center comes in. Because if, if a child has been um, exploited, they were missing, they um, have been involved in trafficking, they're going to come here. Um, and they're going to start working with a therapist. The yeah. family is going to start getting resources. Um, they're going to start figuring out what's going on at home or do we need to put you in new placement, right? Yeah. So that's the piece of what that looks like here in our area Absolutely. for the kind of rehabilitation piece. And so if you're a helper and you, you realize, okay, I've been helping with relief, but I want to do more. I'd like to work with the rehabilitation kind of a piece, you know, volunteering or giving again, money resources, yeah. you know, helping an organization like the child advocacy center yeah. is kind of where that's going to fit in is helping with that because that kind of a piece is not something that we're not going to take a volunteer right. to come in and start working with a right. kid for rehabilitation, right? Right. That's where we've got social workers, we've got experts, we've got counselors, we've got people who are trained, who know how to do this. And so that's where we've got a lot of volunteers who help with relief and in raising awareness and and money and things. But whenever it comes to volunteering, like everybody, like a lot of volunteers will come in, they'll be like, I just want to, I want to do more. Like I want to get in. And there's just some areas that, you know, even, even as much as we know here at ICTSOS, 
we're not going to step into some of these pieces right. of rehabilitation, right? Because that's not something that we're qualified for. So if you're wanting to help in that, supporting the people who are doing that, or, you know, if you're in a position where you want to go to school, you want to become a social worker, you want to be involved in that, like start on that trajectory, yeah. right? If Mo is Mo's over I'm here dancing, dancing over because here. <laughs> she's going to be in the social work program, right? So thinking about the yeah. long term, how do I want to be involved with that? So what does it look like for, um, so what if I want to volunteer, but I, what I, I want to do is I want to talk to a survivor. Oh, um, what a what great I, what, question. What do I need to do there? What a great question. Thank you, TJ. You know that's a hot button I do, question, I do. so that's why I'm you asked that question. So I'm glad you brought that up because that is usually where somebody who, like if, if kind of the donating and giving is like they want to kind of do more, that's something that we're asked a lot of is, hey, I want to work with a survivor yeah. or I want to hear from a survivor um, or I want to get their story. I want to know. Um, I am just always going to say um, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't get to do that. Um, here's here's the longer here's the longer form of that. Um, even even us who are working in this field, we do not ask survivors to share right. anything. We don't ask them to share their their story with us. Um, it's very inappropriate. It's not helpful. Right. Yeah. And if we're not going to be doing helpful things, we shouldn't be doing it at all. Um, it can often bring up trauma for yeah. that person. If someone wants to share something with us, they want to share something with you. They bring it up of their own volition. You can listen. Yeah. You can, you know, ask questions that you think are appropriate. Thank them for sharing. But again, don't don't try to pry and get in and ask any more right. stuff. Um but yeah, trying to work with a survivor or hear from a story, I think we have whatever that natural thing in us that always wants like the nitty gritty story. You know, yeah. why do we watch crime shows? Why do we watch videos of like, you know, um, wounds or if somebody breaks their leg or whatever, we're like, oh, and we reshare it, right? There's yeah. that thing in us that we want to hear, you know, what is happening, right? Right. But when it comes to helping other people, sharing that kind of information, asking somebody for that information, it really does more harm than good. Right. Um, and so, uh, I think that's just something really important to remember for volunteers, especially. And then I think something connected to that. Um, and what we were talking about before, like with the, you said disinformation, I had said yeah. misinformation. And I, I think there's a difference. I think there's some folks who just, they don't know any better. Yeah. And then I do think there are folks who are actively using things to, um, obscure, to hide, um, to minimize. Um, yeah. Okay. Things. Okay. So that's I, a good I, clarification yeah. between those terms. Um, so one of the things I'm going to say with that is, um, you know, survivors are on Facebook too, just like yeah. you said, homeless people are on Facebook too for survivors. Survivors are out there on social media too, right? Everybody's and not just survivors Facebook. of trafficking, yeah. but of, of sexual assault or abuse or exploitation yeah. or whatever. That's there's that number of, of people who've been through these things is much higher than I think people who have not been through those things realize. And so, if you are coming onto social media and you're sharing, um, you know, those gut wrenching stories, or maybe you put an image. Um, one yeah. of the things that happens a lot is that somebody who wants to be involved in trafficking or the news media shares it a lot. You know, we've got a picture of a kid chained up in a basement or right. a girl who has crying. She's got mascara running down her face and the image around her is like black and smudgy. And then her hands are, you know, tied together. Um, or maybe you share like the inappropriate picture. So yeah. you've got, um, you know, a girl in, in like a mini skirt and a tube top and, and you're talking about how, you know, this person's being exploited. You could be unintentionally sharing things and showing things that somebody who's a survivor is seeing that yeah. and that's damaging to them. That's yeah. hurtful for them, especially if you're sharing 
sharing again the misinformation the yeah. disinformation because if if this person has gone through all the things that they have gone through right yeah. and they've lived it and they know that it's different than what is being shared in the news yeah. and then you see everybody around you sharing crazy conspiracy theories about Wayfair yeah how crazy would it make you feel if you knew I've been through these things and I'm I'm trying to get through oh. it and right. I'm in the development stage or the rehab stage yeah. rehabilitation stage or whatever and you see all these people around you who want to make a difference but they think it's happening on Wayfair yeah. right it just would be like I, I can't even imagine yeah. right what's going through your mind and so thinking about those things that that person could be around you so thinking about the way you're sharing the way you're sharing it Absolutely. not just what you're sharing is very important too and I think that's a the the big one is that always talking about people as though they're in the room with you. Um, yes. You know, I think that's, a, yes. you know, I know a lot of folks who work in international development, my brother included, um, you know, one of the things that it's a lot easier to show people pictures of people in poverty and say, if you don't give, this is going to continue. You've got to fix this. Um, um, that, that helps to raise money. You know, I know there's organizations that use that as part of their fundraising tactics. Um, but the challenge there is, um, it allows folks to be able to um, unintentionally and maybe maybe even in some ways, you know, not not maliciously, but you're re exploiting people. You're using their story for your advantage. Mm. Um, and if somebody was trafficked, if somebody is a survivor and they want to tell their story and they want to write a book and they want to share it and then that's their prerogative. Um, but we don't get to tell their story for them. Um, and I think that's the part yeah. that's really hard for that's folks really is, you put um, that so well. Yeah. Is, um, is, you know, well, why not? You know, I've heard, I've heard, I heard all these other, you know, gory detail stories. Why won't you tell me this? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's some of it are just our culture in general. We want to hear that, uh, nuts and bolts. And it's one of the things I appreciate about you all is how you operate is you share the need. You, you highlight the way people are helping. Um, you know, Jen, who's not in the room right now, but is just a superhero when it comes to mobilizing others. Um, does such a good job of highlighting how to help without taking that story and belittling people. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We can brag on her all day about the amazing things that she does. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's touch on, we'll probably have to wrap up pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but let's touch on, okay. So we had talked about the relief, the rehabilitation, a little bit of the development. Yeah. Um, I'll maybe just throw some things out there when it comes to helping. And I, could I add one more? Is it appropriate yeah. to add one more to that list? Sure. Where do you think prevention falls in that? So that's a great question. So prevention is, is a huge part of this. I think in some ways, um, the more you can avoid having to do relief in yeah. general, the better off you are. And so like, you know, I always use the Im image of a fire here, but like long-term, like, you know, one of the two jobs that I hold as an actual paying position is I'm an insurance agent. And like one of the things I talk about is like, you got to replace your smoke detector. Uh, this is what most people want. Every 10 years, um, the smoke detectors expire. Huh. You can, you, they only last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so even if you change your so batteries, the whole, thing, the, not whole just thing, the, battery. the whole unit's got to come down oh, wow. and well, be replaced. I didn't know that. <laughs> going to be ordering some smoke detectors. Yeah, because it's, it's an important piece. Thanks, TJ. And people just don't think about it. They don't know it. It says right on the box. Um, I don't read the box. You know, it says right on there. When, what was it installed? You know, yeah, uh, but yeah. we miss it because we're in a hurry. We right. think we know how it works. Right. And the more we can do to prevent that fire in the first place, the right. better off we are. Yeah. Um, and that's part, again, why I think Family Promise is such a cool organization. Yes. You know, you guys have um, partnered with them. You, uh, They were your sponsor for the um, for the Race for Freedom for a uh, while. Last year. Uh, yeah, the recipient 
for the Race for Freedom last year. Um, what, one of the things they do is they recognize that a, or somewhere around a third of kids who are in foster care um, are in foster care because they don't have a stable home. Not mm. that their parents are abusive or neglectful, but because they don't have electricity, they don't have, you know, they don't right. have enough beds, their bed, their home Gosh, is in disrepair, right. um, but that their parents are often still working, um, mm-hmm. but they're just not making quite enough. Um, you know, in Wichita now, it's close to $11 an hour is what you have to work just to be able to afford a one bedroom apartment. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Mo's so like, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it's hard for folks, and so um, so Family Promise steps in, and they are really working on some of that. Even you don't even realize that, like, oh, this is prevention. Yeah. Um, this is part of what this looks like. Um, yeah. And I know you guys do a lot of work in the schools to try to say, like, hey. That relationship that you think he's your boyfriend, yeah, it's not. It's he not what you think it is. He ain't your boyfriend, um, yeah. And I, I bet you've had conversations where people have come up afterwards, and they're like, "Hey, this is my boyfriend's." doing this like am am I is this me um yeah or uh, yeah a lot of um kids are very open with you if they know you're not like a a a teacher who's going to be sticking around for a while um and so yeah I have a lot of conversations they show me a lot of the messages that they've been getting people that they're talking to friendships that they have family situation we didn't even talk about family today this can happen in families too yeah, they share a lot of stuff with me. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I just can't imagine what that feels like to see that. Like, um, but you're partially that's why you guys do it is to right. help get ahead of let let us let us not tell you afterwards like oh this is what happened. Let's say this is how this is happening. Right. And again, that's where the misinformation of you know it's you got to watch it's zip tie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's not the zip tie on your uh, handle on your car. Or it's honey not, on the windshield. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's not those stories that you see on Facebook. It's the things that are a lot more subtle. And if we don't talk about it, it's hard for people to recognize that's how it's coming. So, yeah. So I would, would it be safe to say we would pop prevention in like kind of before relief if you were to put it on a list, right? Yeah, absolutely. Before kind of wrapped around and and (laughs) And then in between all, yeah. In some ways, I think it's it's that development piece too of like the the goal is to lead, to take somebody who has come through this trauma and to help them. um, And and I, I, I say this all the time and it's hard for us. We... When it comes to helping, most of us, um, if we really think about it, we actually look down a little bit on people that we help. Mm. And, I, and I'm going to say that and people hear that and they're like, no, that's not true. Okay. Um, so so yeah. say, say that again. And why is that? So most people look down on people that they help. And um, I know that it's true about me and I hate it. And I'm somebody who actively helps a lot. Um, but I know that's true about me because I often will not ask for help. Um, so my washer went out. This has been this has been years ago now. But I carried my washing machine by myself out of the basement of our house. Um, it had water in the bottom of it. I shot backed out as much as I could. But this thing probably weighed, I don't know, probably getting up there into the 200-pound range. You're trying and to I, humble brag and how I, much you and can I, lift. I, I, I flexed this thing out of the basement, took it out to you the driveway. hurt your back. Put it in my car, <laughs> drove it to the appliance shop, got it fixed. Um, it was the collar stay on my shirt. It had gotten stuck in the valve and it. Oh. It wouldn't close. Oh, um, yikes. Um, yikes. Uh, yes and so I got it back home, put it back in the basement all by myself, and then had to take um, some serious muscle relaxers yeah, because I, I was in terrible pain for about two days. How was your wife? Um, she kept how saying, why, would you, why wouldn't you call Joel? Why wouldn't you call Travis? Why wouldn't you call somebody? 
and just have right. him stop My by. stubborn like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was like, well, because it's just, I just, Sorry, it, Jay. I just did it real quick. Like I just yeah. wanted to, do, I could just, I could do it if I could just get a chance. Right. And so, and I think it's hard to ask for help. Um, mm. And I think one of the most empowering things you can do for somebody else, uh, one of the ways you can build dignity in somebody else and build capacity in somebody else is to allow them to help you. Um, right. And I think that's true of especially folks who are in poverty, who are in situations where uh, they have been belittled and demeaned, where they've had their dignity taken away, um, where you can find more opportunities to allow helping. Um, for me, the one that comes to mind the most is with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at kids, uh, most of us look at them and think that they are um, – you know, a nuisance. They are a trouble. They are they are difficult. Um, especially our culture, the way our culture treats treats teenagers. Oh man, um, as though they're add-ons or secondary, or they don't have capacity. Or they don't know anything. Yeah. And yeah, the more opportunities you can find to give. Um, leadership to give influence to give responsibility to somebody um, the more opportunity it gives them to grow and to change and to be shaped into um, who they are you know most of us it took somebody in our life giving us a chance to help that allowed us to be able to become who we are as adults that relationship building is so important yeah yeah and and so that's that for that for me i think is like if we did that in the development side of things it makes it so much less likely um because one of the tragic pieces of this is um the the abuse in this situation often is a systemic and generational issue. Um, Mm -hmm. that if you have family members that have been physically sexually abused, who've been trafficked, who've been harmed, um, the likelihood that that's going to happen to you are much higher. Right. Um, right. And, um, and so how can we build dignity into somebody and change not just their story, but the story of whoever comes after them, if somebody comes after them. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we've talked about before with that, and I just kind of want to, you know, add this in here a little bit because as a helper, I think we have to remember all the things that you were just saying, you know, when it comes down to it, if we are approaching someone and we want to help them, we are asking something from them. Yeah. Um, uh, and we don't realize that, I yeah. think. And there's yeah. that relationship piece. So if you want to then uh, you hear this message and you're like, OK, I want to go ahead and attack poverty. And so maybe I'm going to start building relationships. Yeah. Right. Or I'm going to start helping people in a different way. There's still this thing that you have to work through that yeah. if you offer to help someone or you give them, you know, what some people might say is a handout or right. a leg up or whatever if there's nothing physical or tangible in return from that person, then they're most likely paying you in their dignity, maybe a little bit of pride. There's a relational um, currency, I think, that we have to really consider as as helpers, right? And that's where what you were saying comes into play, where if you can ask that person to then help you also, then it gives them a chance to be the one who has the power and has the dignity and is offering that back from you, right? That exchange has to be both ways there it can't just be me giving to you all the time because i don't realize what i'm taking from you in return oh and i i when i was a pastor at downtown church here in wichita i we'd always have people come in with these story and it was always something like you know hey i need help my mom or my aunt has cancer in kansas city and or arkansas and i need twenty dollars i just need twenty dollars that's all i need to help me get 
there. Can I just have twenty dollars? And I always thought this is such a bad story um, because it's not. It, it's I hear it all the time. Um, you know, I've, I've, I bet I've heard that story probably sixty times from different mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And what what why is it why is it that story? And I think it's because it elicits enough of a reaction that it it makes sense. And so that person, yes, technically they're lying, but what they're doing is they are providing me with a story that makes me feel good that then I will give them $20 and right. then, so we've had this reaction I get a good feeling they get $20 yeah um, you and know. Then I feel like sometimes like for myself yeah. I'm the type of person to be like well are they struggling like do I need help but then it's like you know. And that's and yeah. that's the challenge. Is like it's it's that it's that like well you know maybe, so maybe the story's a little subtler than that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, is this real or not real? Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting in a room with somebody and they were crying, and I brought one of our elders in because she was having this just just heartbreaking story. And I was like, oh man, I got to tell this. I got to tell it was actually Stacy's husband, Kent. I was like, Kent, I need you to come in here. I think we need to get this lady a check. Like this is this is bad. She's got a difficult situation. And she came in and told the same story, and except for it wasn't her husband anymore, it was her son. And the first time I heard it, it was yeah. her. It was her husband. You're like, wait a minute. And I'm like, because I'm, and I'm crushed. Because I'm like, I'm married. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling all the feels. Um, oh. But she, I, but she saw Kent, who's older than me. You know, Kent's a couple years older than me. He's got teenage kids, and so she knew the button to push was his son. And so when she told the story to him, it, it the character changed. And I was like, oh, you almost got me with that one. That was good. Um, oh. But the challenge is like, is is there are times when people really do need that help, and so. Um, I tried to go to St. Louis. I tried to go to Kentucky one time. Well, can I stop you really quick yeah. before you share that story? What I think is interesting, though, is that she did She did need help. She did. Right? She absolutely did. But one of the things that we've talked about before is that as a society, we've, we put people in that position. To have to tell that if story. If you need help, you have to tell that story right. to a church, to the right person. You have to push their buttons in the right way. Yep. That's how you get help, right? Yep. And that's the, the kind of situation that we've created and put them in. So she probably did need help for right. a lot, of, yeah. you know, and that's just, this is how she has learned to navigate that world, right? right? And that's yeah, that's one of the things you and I have talked about and it's I wanted to mention huge. that. It's huge. It's, you know, it is that, it's that cost of that relationship and right. there's a dignity involved. Yes. And She's figured out, here's my currency. Yeah. This is what I have to use. Yep. And that's, and I think that's the challenge of like, we all have to recognize in all of these relationships that there is a currency that's a part of it, that there is a, um, a transaction that takes place, even in, even in just writing that, you know, whoever's listening today, it's going to write that $10,000 check to ICTSOS. That's a transaction that you're going to get a feeling, um, and probably recognition. You'll probably get your business shouted out on Facebook, rightly so. Um, there's some positive benefits to making that kind of donation. There's a tax Um, break too. And there's a tax break, you know, you, again, you just need to write that check and you give, give ICTSOS a call. Um, uh, so, but there's a, a tra- it's a transaction. There's a transaction, and, and it's not. Right? That, and we sometimes we say like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like you shouldn't have transactions in your relationships. But we all do. Like my yeah. kids do it with me. Yeah. I do it with my wife. We all have a transaction, and it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just recognizing what's happening here, and in part asking the question, um, not just what can I get out of this, but how can I build them mm-hmm. up in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were about to share a story before I cut you off oh, to just yeah. really share that piece, and then we can move on from there. Yeah, so I, I realized this in part too because I went to going to Kentucky to visit my friend. Uh, he had bought a house and needed some help remodeling it, and I had a bunch of flooring in my house that somebody had donated to me, um, just this whole pickup bed full of laminate flooring. So I drive it to Kentucky for him, and I get about St. Louis, and I am freezing. Like the weather, I left Kansas, and it was like 85 
and I got to St. Louis and it was like 45 and I'm just freezing and I didn't bring a jacket. And I, I got, I've got a beat up old truck. Um, I've got, you know, my truck looks like it's been through a tornado because it had been through a tornado. I'm wearing my ripped up jeans. Literally the Greensburg Literally. tornado. That's right. That's right. Um, well, it had been given to me when we were we moved there, and it was an awesome gift uh, uh, from a good man. Um, but I was wearing my old boots, my old jeans, my flannel shirt. My beard had grown out. I'd let that get a little long. So I'm going to Kentucky. I got to look the part. My hair's flipped out under my Bass Pro cap. I'm like, I could just go into <laughs> oh, a church, like I. I am, I am, I am, I am the stereotype of somebody from Kentucky. I just go to a church and ask for a coat. And I, I know as a pastor, I'm going to get that coat because that is a, nobody asks for a coat. It's super easy to do. And if I didn't have one, I'd even go buy one for somebody because it, you get to tell that story as a pastor. You get to get, tell that story in the sermon. I helped a man get a coat. He met Jesus. It was great. Um, right. I, I couldn't humble myself enough to do it. I mm. couldn't humble myself enough to ask. And I wanted to know what it felt like to ask. And I was too proud to ask a stranger wow. for help, even though I knew they would help me. They would want to help me. And I just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. And so I went to Walmart and bought my own coat. But um, how much more did that solidify in your mind, that yeah. narrative of there really is an exchange for it, somebody's approaching huge. you for something? They're giving up a lot if to it, do that. Sixty dollars out of it's, my pocket yeah. was more was worth it to me than rather to than the, the the little bit of an the, the the what would appear to be a really small thing of just asking somebody to ask for help. That amount of that, that amount of Huge. dignity was too much for me. Huge. All right. So yeah. so so let me ask you: What sure. is if you're listening right now? What are, and you want to learn more, you want to do better, you want to figure this out, you don't want to get bought in by misinformation, disinformation. Yep. Yep. What, what should somebody do? What do we do next? So I'm going to plug just a couple um, education resources. Okay. Um, if you like listening to podcasts, um, ours is, of course, great. So go back and listen to further to, to the episodes in the beginning. But then Ending Human Trafficking. Okay. It, that's all it is. If you punch that into podcasts, they have a lot of great material. They've been around for a long time. Okay. They're experts in this field. Listening to that can be really great. Um, that's one of the things that I think sometimes somebody who wants to help, too, they want um, a professional to come in and, and go ahead okay. and educate them. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now that there's so many resources out there. Yeah. Go ahead and do that yourself. Not necessarily on TikTok, right? Okay, of so trying to get, don't get on TikTok or just Google <laughs> the phrase human trafficking. You know, you can, but you got to be very careful of what yeah. you're, what you're listening to. If there's anything that looks like some of the stuff we talked about where it's a book cover and there's a girl who's chained up on it or something, that's probably one I would avoid, right? Um, but Ending Human Trafficking Podcast, I'm going to recommend one book, but there are many others that I can recommend. Girls Like Us okay. by Rachel Lloyd. Okay. If you want to hear just a, a snip of, of um, what it is like in human trafficking, like a five-minute video clip on YouTube, yeah. um, you can punch into to YouTube um, if you do, I think it's called A Making of a Girl. And okay. it is also by Rachel Lloyd, who wrote that book. And it's a five-minute video. Um, she is a survivor. So, again, if you're wanting to hear a survivor story, looking to somebody who has shared that herself, she's being compensated for that. Um, uh, watching that video gives you a really good snapshot of what this is and what okay. this looks like. Um, so I'm going to plug those two things to begin with. 
If you're out there listening and you're like, hey, I've listened to that whole podcast and I've watched all that and I've read that book, what's next for me? I'm then going to plug, sign up for our next step class, which TJ comes and teaches as well. Um, And I teach a session on human trafficking. Um, And you can find it again, like I said before, it's on our website under volunteer. You can apply for that. Now, we only have a couple classes a year, so you have to kind of wait. And again, if you're wanting to jump in and do things with relief right now, you know, find things to do in the meantime, donate yeah. fresh start bags, raise awareness, learn, educate yourself, educate yourself. It's huge. It really is. It makes a big difference. Um, but sign up for that class and go through it because some of the things we do is kind of help you figure out what your next step is, Absolutely. right? That's what the class is called. And then if you have further questions about that, if you want to know of more books, um, audio books, documentaries, anything, just go ahead and, and message me. My email is amber at ictsos.org. I'm going to post all of this stuff in our show notes yeah. on um, anchor.fm forward slash ictsos and then on our podcast page on our website, which is in our blog. So if you want to see the cover of that photo or I'll go ahead and put a link to the to the book um, and the podcast, all that kind of stuff, I'm going to put it all in there for you. So that's number one okay. is educating yourself, mm-hmm. right? And there's some really good resources. Um, and then number two, if, if that's kind of what you're doing, you've signed up for Next Step, you want to be involved. Um, figuring out what it is that you, what are your strengths, yeah. right? Like you were saying, what do I have to offer? What can I figure, what what, is, what do I have, yeah. right? What do I have to offer? Really figuring that out and doing some soul, ch- soul searching. Yeah. Why do you wanna help? Is this gonna end up becoming a little bit about you or is it about helping other right. people? Mm-hmm. Like start doing some of that soul searching. And then from there, I mean, going through the next step class and educating yourself, I think the rest of the pieces are probably going to fall in place for you if you go through those steps, because you're going to find that there are a lot of organizations around Wichita that need help. We may not be the place that you end up volunteering. I just kind of want to put that out there, but we will help you find a place that needs your strength or has an opening or that just really needs help. And maybe you can help for a time. And and there are some, so many places where like you may not even think like, um, you know, oh, hey, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily somebody who's overly empathetic. I'm not somebody who's going to stand up and sure. get a whole bunch of people mobilized. Like, that's just not who I am. I'm pretty laid back. I'm pretty quiet. Yeah. You know, I'm the kind of person that likes paperwork. I'm the kind of person that likes to be diligent. Right. You know, like then, then Casa somebody that, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, that a court appointed advocate for children is somebody that always needs really solid volunteers right. who have the bandwidth to do that. Um, there's lots of other ways yeah. to get plugged in yeah. that, that ICTSOS and can help you do that. I think it's important to remember that just because you're not donating or volunteering with an organization that has anti-human trafficking in the, in the title, that doesn't mean you're not doing anti-trafficking work, right? Because CASA, like you said, that's huge. An advocate for kids in in the court system, mentoring, doing things with foster care, supporting a foster care family that you know, right? Yeah. Talk about that and how huge that is. If you know of a family who's fostering kids, reach out to those parents and be like, what do you need right now? Because they can probably come up with a list for you, including dinner and (laughs) and whatever. Right. Right. So just really figuring out there's so many like, uh, you know, we call it kind of like multidisciplinary kind of things going on that you can lean into that maybe doesn't have like a flashy trafficking title in it. Right. Because it's something that's kind of popular. It's catching um, in the media. But there's so many things you can do that's anti-trafficking work. So being ready and prepared and and willing to help wherever that's needed. Yeah. And especially don't don't let if you're listening right now, don't let the fact that it's 
it's not easy to jump in and just make a big oh, splash. Yeah. I'm gonna sign mm-hmm. a petition and we're yep. gonna fix it. Yep. Um, because because it's so big and it's so complicated. Um, there's a, the, a quote from Andy Stanley that I think is just powerful here: "Is do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Um, just find one place to volunteer. Find yeah. one place to plug in. Find one uh, kid or a mentor, and and that makes a difference. If we all did that, if we all could collectively do that, yeah. it would change the face of our community. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. So, I think one of the last notes um, that I should at least leave with is just some encouragement. There are a ton of really great people in our community doing really good hard work. When it wasn't flashy, when it wasn't in the news, when it wasn't in the media, they've been doing a lot of great hard work in our community. Wichita has a lot of work to be done, um, but we're one of the places in the nation that has, I would say, some of the... um, the most organizations that network with each other. Yeah. Um, I just don't know of any other cities that are like ours. And I hear that from people who have, are working all over and then they come here and they're like, wow, what you guys have is really phenomenal. So I hope that our listeners can be encouraged by yeah. that, but then also know that there is still work to be yeah. done. There are still things for you to do. Um, so plugging in, in there. Absolutely. Do you have any last words, TJ? And then Mo? Uh, you just just know that you, if you're listening, you're some of my favorite people. Um, if you're irritated by anything that I said, um, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, but I would just echo what Amber said. I'll throw him right under the yeah, bus for you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook or uh, Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy to have you tell me where I'm wrong. Um, but I would say what I would echo what Amber says is like if somebody is showing up and they have taken this as their cause um, of the day currently, like they're they're now they've become an, uh, quote advocate for this. Um, but they haven't been here for months and years. Um, I would probably be cautious and I would lean into the organizations that have the time Mm -hmm. in that have the relationships in, um, just because somebody's loud, it doesn't mean that they're making a difference. Right. Um, that's yeah. so that's important good. to understand. Like you can make a difference in any way, even if yeah. you're behind the scenes, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you both for being here today. Absolutely. You. Thank you so we'll much. We'll wrap up this conversation. Let me do my little, um, ending for everybody here. <laughs> um, so, uh, one of the, the quotes that I think maybe gets people into jumping into wanting to do relief and mm-hmm. has been encouraging to us um, and, and, and in fact encouraged Jennifer to, to start in this work yeah. um, was from the Lorax. Yeah. Um, that unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not, that. right? And so we'll tie all this up by saying that unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot um, about one specific area that you can really lean into then yeah, things are going to change very slowly. (laughs) So I'll edit it a little bit. For further information about ICTSOS, how you can help, donate, or become a monthly sponsor of Look for the Helpers, please visit our website, ictsos.org, where today's show notes will be posted. You can also follow us on social media at ICTSOS. Thank you for listening. Wash your hands and stay safe.